So first a word for the younger ones. Did you notice in the reading of the gospel lesson that Jesus taught his disciples that it was important for them to take a vacation? So, yay, that's the best news maybe we've heard yet today, right? Jesus wants us to take a vacation sometimes. So the story was that Jesus had sent his disciples out and boy, they went from town to town and they preached and they taught and they drove demons out of people and they healed the sick. And when they came back to Jesus, and of course Jesus was doing all of this too while they were gone, when they all came back together, Jesus noticed how tired they were. So he said, come away with me and we'll find a place, a quiet place, a secluded place, a solitary place. And so the disciples and Jesus set off in the boat and they took a little vacation. But it's important for us to remember a couple of things. When we go on vacation, it's important to take Jesus with us. The disciples didn't go alone. They didn't say, okay, Jesus, I've got a week off. I'm just going to go and have fun. They took Jesus with them in the boat. They were all together. It should have been a time for them to visit and to relax and to have their energy restored a little bit. And one of the best ways that we can do that is if we remember that Jesus is with us always and that we use our time away, even if it's only an hour on a walk or a little bit of work in our garden, to remember that Jesus is with us and it's a time for prayer and meditation and it's a time to just be together with Jesus. Sometimes we don't take that time because, oh, we get so busy doing other things. And so it's important for us if we go on vacation or if we just take a little time in the middle of the day just to be by ourselves to kind of let our energy come back to us that Jesus is there. And then the second thing to remember is that um, Jesus said to the disciples, we need to go to a quiet place. Sometimes when people take vacations, and I'm a little bit like this, but not always. Sometimes when people take vacations, they want to do everything they can and they take this tour and that tour and they want to see this and they get up early in the morning and they stay up late at night because they don't want to miss anything. And then they come home and they're even more tired than before they left. So we don't want to do that. Vacations, walks, time in the garden, time with Jesus is so important so that we can take a breath we can remember that Jesus is with us. We can have Jesus help us take care of some of the things that maybe are confusing to us. Or maybe we have a decision to make 
And that's incredibly important then to talk it through with cheeses and just to see what is needed and necessary to make the right decision. So today's invitation is to take a vacation if you can, or take some time in a quiet place to be with Jesus and see what happens in that lovely and quiet time because something will, I will guarantee it. This is our prayer then for this children's time. Dear Jesus, thank you for vacation time when we get it, when we can rest and renew our strength and help us to remember that everything we do, we should include you in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And then for the older ones among us, in this brief incident described in our gospel reading for today from the Gospel of Mark, a most touching story is recounted. And in my perception, if we ever want to look for proof that Jesus was truly God, I think this might be one of the stories that could do it, because only God incarnate could do what Jesus did in this setting, and that is to have compassion on the crowds. It's no small thing to have compassion on crowds. And remember, Jesus was tired. He was bone weary. And as he looked into the faces of the 12 disciples, he saw their exhaustion too. He had sent them out and they returned to recount all of their stories and so much had happened and they were tired. Notice that Jesus follows the rhythms of life. You work and you rest. You labor and then you have leisure. You create something and then you're recreated in the process. You engage and disengage. And that rhythm sustained him in his life and his ministry. Far better than 20th century people, he knew the renewing power of solitude and silence. Come away, he says. Come away to a deserted place and rest. For their sake, and even for his own sake, they went into that boat and they headed for that deserted place because solitude can restore the soul. A place away would invite the intimacy that they needed at this time in order to talk through all of the things that had happened with the disciples, to talk through other things so that they had the time and the space and the quietness to really listen to each other. A quiet place can engage in centering prayer that can renew and satisfy the soul. But alas, it was not meant to be. As the lesson tells us, many saw them going and recognized them, so they hurried there on foot from all the towns 
and arrived there ahead of them. Jesus and the twelve crossed the lake in a boat, but those on shore watched where they were going, and they followed on the shoreline, and hurriedly they went, so they arrived shortly there about the time of the disciples. Crowds of people, lots of people, searching and pressing mobs of humanity, eager and needy, clinging people. All were seeking after the famous teacher and healer that they had heard so much about. They were beginning to understand who he was and they wanted to be with him and they needed things from him. The last thing that Jesus needed at this time when he needed rest and solitude, um, when he wanted to debrief with the disciples and bring them maybe to a new level of understanding about what their role would be in the reign of God. The last thing he needed, the last thing he wanted was a needy crowd. When you seek a quiet country road, but you get a crowded freeway, it's inevitable that you're gonna be disappointed if not downright angry. So here is the sentence of sentences in this gospel reading for today. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them. Have you ever felt compassion for a crowd? Maybe you've seen on television pictures of the masses of people in parts of the world starving or trying to cope with a natural disaster and you're touched by their grief and their plight. Perhaps you've traveled overseas to a place of poverty or have been with our sisters and brothers in one of our partner congregations in El Salvador or Rwanda, and you've seen firsthand the poverty that really the rest of us can only imagine. I've had the experience of being surrounded by groups of beggars, both in China and Colombia, and I have to admit to you that uh, any compassion that I might have had for them early on in my experience disappeared because it was replaced by a little bit of annoyance and maybe even a little fear, a lot of helplessness and a lot of frustration and a lot of despair. Or even at home, we might feel compassion for our homeless brothers and sisters that we see every day, especially if we've gotten to know them a little bit. We know their names, we know their stories, but when confronted by a whole group of aggressive panhandlers, one after another, can compassion really remain? So Jesus shows us a meaningful model for he had compassion on the crowds. And what was it that touched Jesus? What was it that changed everything for him in that moment? Well, 
he noticed that they were like sheep without a shepherd. They appeared to be lost. This is much more than Jesus with a mob of people. This is God coming in contact with all that God had created. This is the creator and humanity, the author of all life, who's with people who did not have what the author of all life wanted them to have. And he's touched to the core because they were lost. They were alone. They were directionless. They were aimless. They looked like they didn't know who they were or where they were going. When the shepherd is there, the sheep have a direction, a center, a focus. Two important truths stand side by side here if we can see them for ourselves in the story. The first is that we, as part of humanity, are lost. And the second is that God's heart is broken by our lostness. It's sometimes painful to admit that we are part of a lost humanity because after all, we're capable, we're intelligent, we're productive people. But if truth be told, we, like most people, tend to center our lives on things that really don't matter. For many of us here, work is the beginning and ending of our life. Family worries dominate all the other things in our life. Popularity and acceptance are worshiped by some of us. Getting ahead, making a buck or many bucks, the relentless pursuit of leisure, these are all signs, and just a few of them, signs of our lostness when our lives revolve around everything else other than God. These pursuits do not lead to a better life. They rob us of the life we have. And so God looks out on the masses of humanity and sees that so many of us are not anchored by anything that will sustain us. So we drift and we float. We get blown away by every new thing. And that's the lostness of our age. It's been the lostness of every age. It can be good news, though, to admit that we are lost. Have you ever been in a car with a driver who is lost? What happens when that driver will not admit that they cannot find their way? There's a lot of tension there and a lot of conflict in the confines of that vehicle. But finally, if the driver has the courage to admit the lostness in that moment and is willing to hear a few, I told you so, there's also great relief as well as the possibility of finding the new and true way. 
So most often on Sundays, we speak liturgically about our lostness. We participate in the order of confession and forgiveness. And in doing so, we are rehearsing the lines for those moments in life when the truth dawns on us with such crashing clarity that we need to say at times, my God, I am lost. Would you be touched by people who look like sheep without a shepherd? Jesus saw them as lost, although many of us might have seen them as free, uh, but Jesus saw them as lost. Jesus saw through the phony freedom that sometimes people who think they want freedom have, and realized underneath it is a desperate sense of lostness and aloneness. And so the question is, could it be the same for us? Could it be that the more aggressive we are about pursuing our own personal freedoms, the more we bear witness to the fear within? And that's the fear that Jesus sees. So today we are reminded that Jesus really is a good shepherd. And Jesus' heart breaks for the opportunity to care for the sheep and bring them back home into the fold. He's not distracted by the crowds, nor is he bluffed by their apparent freedom. He sees beneath to the heart of them. He sees us and our heart each and every one of us. And what does he want when he sees us that way? He wants us to trust him that he can lead us back and heal us and give us a place once again in the home where we belong. This is why we're here today, isn't it? To acknowledge a little bit our lostness to be reminded that through God's word, we have a loving Savior who has compassion for us. We're here to be invited to trust anew in Jesus and the saving power that comes through Jesus. We're here again to feel like we're being restored into our community of faith that is our home to us, to be fed again at this meal, and to be sustained for our week of witness and service in that world where maybe we can have compassion on others who are lost. How good it is to be here today, to sit, with Jesus and reflect on so many things. How good it is to have a shepherd who has compassion for us. Amen. <laughs>